this episode of Miss Listen Knows is brought to you by you. Shout out to you. And if God is your publicist, head over to MissListenKnows.com and get you a shirt and a hat so I know it's real. Now let's get to the show. Yo, y'all going to tell you right now. I'm so ill, man, I don't get royalty checks, I get doctor bills. You see, all the ladies love me since I copped the deal. See me driving down the block, want me to stop and chill. I honk the horn, wave high, step on the gas. So even before the blog, I was getting the ass. Even before the blog, I was getting the cash. Shit, before I had a car, made a get in the cab. Niggas was mad, girls used to show me they boobs, and she knew she wasn't wifey, just one of my boos. I got a wife, I got a girl, I got a couple of boobs. Niggas is fake, that's why I don't fuck with them dudes. Got a lot of guns that'll bust your limbs, shoot at your feet just to reconstruct your Tims. It's a must I win, fuck how much you spend. I throw sharp left hooks that'll crush your chin, your style switching. Like you listen to fags, kill your moms and your pops, have you missing the bad. EMTs in the ambulance, get in the bag, zipping it fast. You like, I should have listened to dad. You could catch me in the jag, sipping on Chris with a chain to my dick in the club. Oh shit, I have your girl cover my stick with spit. I'm grimy, I use her weave to dry my dick. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's up, know-it-alls? This is your boy, Zilla Valentine. I am taking over the Miss Listen Knows podcast. This is my show for the day. I just launched my new podcast, Free Game, that you can check out on SoundCloud. It will be on iTunes shortly, and I am going to get into the mind of Miss Listen Knows. I'm excited and a little nervous. Absolutely. On my podcast, I firmly believe that success is all about process. And I've watched this young lady, Lissa, Miss Lissa Knows, grow her brand to tremendous heights. She's done phenomenal things. Her podcast has taken off and she is a staple in the industry. Ow. And I'm honored to be here with you. And I'm honored as well. I'm super excited for this. How you doing? That was today? a good intro, Zilla. You know, I try. I mean, you've been doing this for a while, so I don't even want to like flip the tables because I might start interviewing you again. It's great to have you back. Thank you very much. <laughs> so I want to start this interview off how I started all my interviews off. Right. Uh, and I want to ask you this question How your mom and your daddy meet? Oh, snap. Okay, so you're going to get me to start making up stuff because I. I don't know the full story. Okay, so my mom and my dad are from the same project. I do know, because I just found this out. It's crazy that you said that. God rest his soul, my uncle who passed away from cancer, come to find out that he was actually the one that was, like, interested in my mom. And he was, like, pursuing her and, like, sending her, I guess, like, love notes or something. So one day she went to go, I guess, cop some bud (laughs) from his older brother. And that was my dad. Done. So your dad is Mr. Still Your Girl. Yes, he is. And I saw a picture of my dad when he was younger. My dad was like a young Denzel in the project. Like, I could tell that he was, like, getting bitches. Like, Mm. and that's probably why him and my mom had their issues, even though they still married. Okay, okay, okay. But they're not together. Not going to lie. You ain't going to have me over your life. So off the record, you think your dad cheated on your mom at least once or twice? I know he did. I think that most men cheat, like, especially even in a long committed relationship like there's a point where you know a man is still going to be a man so i feel a man is only as um faithful as his options for the most part 
And, you know, as a woman, you have to understand that. I mean, I don't say that you have to condone it or expect it. But if you really do care about a man, then you have to um, get through with some some things. Okay. I understand. So I know, I know, I know that my dad did some stuff because I have a brother who's my brother's age that's not from my mom <laughs> and I, an, an alleged sister but my mom was the one that was more spicy okay she was a spicy one. Oh, okay okay yeah, okay so you're not sick. sure if your brother is actually your dad I'm just playing no we know that he yeah. looked just like my brother and I look like you know the same we look like we have this you could tell we have the same parents even though I'm a little lighter okay how old were you when you started liking dudes um, I kissed my first boy when I was four, so <laughs> shout out to James. Al, I remember taking the letters like um, you know, in Soul Train. Like we had like a little letter board in the in school and I remember taking the letters and putting his name. He was white too, you already know, down with the swirl. With okay. the <laughs> equal opportunity. So the first boy you kissed was a white boy. You you was you took his you took his I, took, uh, I, I gave him a taste of that chocolate. He he was pursuing me. He never went He back. was pursuing me. I don't know what he did after that. He didn't even stay in the school past pre K. Oh, you, so he kissed you and you, he, his parents were like, no. His parents probably, I don't know what You're happened. You're not going to date a nigga. <laughs> no, no, I went to a progressive school, so I'm very sure his parents would have accepted and been okay. Okay, he had equal opportunity. Parents. Yes, them lips was equal opportunity. His it was equal lips. His parents were abolitionists. Yeah, they was hippies. <laughs> they had the light in the window. So at age four, you're starting to like boys. But what was it, how old were you when you knew who you wanted to be? Were you like... 15, 14, how old were you when you knew who you wanted to be? When you knew who you were? Um, I, I've known that I wanted to be a talk show host since I was like seven. So I've always known. And even, like I said, I went to a progressive school. So they always had opportunities available to us. Like I was on Nickelodeon, this show called Wienerville when I was seven. I did a commercial Wait, when I was I'm six. Sorry, I'm sorry, you were on Nickel what? Nickelodeon. What's, Nickel what's Nickelodeon? Nickelodeon. Nick Jr. Nick Jr.? You mean Nickelodeon? Nickelodeon. I'm, first of all, first of all... I'm from New York. So, we yeah. say refrigerator, Nickelodeon. No, we don't say Nickelodeon. We say now laters. We say now laters. We okay, we say Nickelodeon. You're not even from New York. I'm from Jersey. Okay, so New Jersey, they going all the way in, making sure they turn to Nickelodeon. Yes. Nickelodeon. Meanwhile, I got things to do. Nickelodeon, it's channel six. And okay. then to give me a check, I'm not going to pronounce all the letters right so, now. So you was on Wienerville at the age of what, seven? Seven. I did a um special for uh New Year's. So like I said, Luckily, I went to a school where they tapped into our creativity. So even though my parents were doing whatever they were doing, I still had these little spurts of it. So I've always known that I wanted that. Is your Nickelodeon episode on YouTube? Have you looked? I saw, I found it. It's, yes, it is. So yes, why, it is. Why don't you post it for Throwback Thursday? I posted it like two years ago. Oh, well, I didn't see it. I didn't know you, you right. Two years ago, you ain't had no followers. Yes, I did. You ain't had no followers. I did. So you so your followers. I didn't have a K, but I did. Exactly. You ain't had no I was followers. like a nine, nine thousand, eight thousand, six thousand. Those people ain't even on Instagram no more. They, I feel like they're not. Yeah. I feel like they're not. And, you know, that's something that I am working on, and I do, like, I, I, I'm, I'm pushing for everybody to do that. It's not bragging when you're proud of yourself, and it's not bragging when you are, you know, telling people what you do or have going on. One of my biggest issues is when people ask me, like, what's going on? I'm always like, you know, not the same thing, same. But it's not. It's not the same thing. And it's like you have to understand that words are power and, like, you have to speak into your journey. So I'm definitely going to be posting that on Throw Throwback Thursday. Make sure you follow me at Miss Listen Knows if you're not already yeah. on all social media platforms. Okay, that's cool. Ow. Now, um, 
at age seven, you knew you wanted to be a, a talk show host. You're on Nickelodeon. You're probably thinking like, hey, things are going in the right path. Uh, what was your teenage years like for you? One, I wasn't thinking things was going in the right path. <laughs> I knew I knew that they were spurts of of good things that were happening, and that I needed to just like know that the light at the end of the tunnel was there. Even though it was a long, even now I'm still pursuing that light. I'm not there completely yet. But um, yeah, I, I never thought that it was. I, I didn't think that was happening. And as a teenager. I wasn't tapping into anything that I, that. What were you like as a teenager? Was um, an aggressive, angry. Like remember Mari when he had like the angry teenagers that would just like have like that guy yelling in their face. I remember my aunt saying that I needed that. Like I needed to go on Mari and have somebody yell in my face. Like I was very angry because of the life that I had. So I would take my one of two things would either happen. I I would be really funny or really angry, and there was no real like medium where. I was expressing my anger or whatever I was going through. So I would be fighting a lot as a teenager. I would be, we would, we would go pull up to school sometimes, have rumbles. So, so you would have been <laughs> a couple on rumbles. The, I had a couple rumbles. You would have been on the Maury show and you'd have been like, I punch bitches in the face. I ain't never gonna stop robbing convenience stores. I wanna have a baby. They gonna treat me right. Yes, I was one of those wild um yes not so crazy like i don't want anyone to think that it was like beyond like i always know that there was a time and a place like my grandmother's friends didn't know like but when i would go and leave and go hang out with my friends like sometimes i remember one time i snuck into the house and and my dad was like oh you must have came in like eight o'clock that's when i fell asleep and i was like word it wasn't no eight it was definitely like 12 but that was not that was late for 14. He was coming to the house at midnight at 14. What were you doing out all night in the streets? Just hanging out with my friends. Like, doing just, what? like, sipping a little something sometimes. Like, we would get, like, our money together. Because I was working. I've worked since I was 13. You were selling drugs at No, 13? I started babysitting at 13. And then and I was a take, messenger. And you, and you would take your babysitting money and go buy alcohol? So a little bit of it. Give a little, little, little $10, little $5 to a crackhead. Let them go in the store, get something for themselves and for you. But I don't condone. I hope did that, so hopefully you don't have to go through that. Like, I was that little girl, but I was lucky, lucky enough to push through, like I said. But that's why I do what I do to show little girls that you can do, you can do, you, you, you can have a path, a past, but you can also have a future. So, yes, I had a crazy childhood, had a couple of fights. Definitely, uh, probably uh, was a little uh, promiscuous, and I have no regrets because they made me the woman that I am now. But it wasn't it wasn't easy. It wasn't an easy okay. childhood. Okay, so you said you were a little prom promiscuous at fourteen. You were already experimenting with boys at fourteen. Yeah, we had a little exper exper experimentations. Mm -hmm. See how you said that were Nickelodeon experimentations. Was it um was it an older guy you were with, or was it someone your age? Uh like like three years older. Okay, so if you were 14, 15, 17. Like 17. And he was almost a, legally an adult. Yes, yes, yes. Probably turned turned 18 as we were together. We were together for like a year and some change. Did your parents know you were with an 18-year-old? My dad knew like late. My mom didn't know. Like, she didn't know. And what type of things was this guy putting you on to? The crazy thing, he wasn't really putting me on to nothing like wild. Like, he was like, so because of the life that I had, I didn't have a lot of things, so... Like, we didn't have a lot of, like, clothes and shoes and sneakers and stuff like that. We just had to have, like, 
whatever God gave us, like the bare minimum, just enough. Sometimes we would splurge and like, I did have like my aunt to take care of me or my dad would like give as he could. But this guy had, his father owned a restaurant, so he had money. Mm -hmm. So he was actually taking care of me, like feeding me, buying me clothes, getting my hair done, getting my nails done. Like, And it wasn't even that kind of like exchange where it was like, for sexual favor. He was really like my boyfriend. Like we loved each other and he was making sure I was okay because of the situation and my circumstances. So what, what it wasn't were even your like situations and circumstances. Because some people might not know what you when you say situations and circumstances, what were they? Was your mother not able to take care of you? Like what was Well the my my parents uh they split when I was like seven or eight. So while all these things are like I said, so while all these things are happening, like the little bit of Wienerville, couple of dance classes and audition here and there my parents were having turmoil, like they were going through stuff. I remember being in school and like praying that when I got home that it wasn't like crazy stuff happening. So like just hoping that when I got home it would be like uh, just civil. Because one minute they would be good and then the next minute they would just be arguing. And growing up I thought that my father had an alcohol problem but it came out that he really had a drug abuse issue, like a real drug. It wasn't like weed. So And then my mom as well. So you have two addicts going at it when you come home from school. And then there was a point at um, Halloween, my dad took it to a physical level. So then after that, my mom and him, they split. So now I'm seven years old. They breaking up, even though it was like a broken home. My father's a functional addict. So even though he was on drugs, the bills still got paid. He would still go to work. Like, he was the one that was keeping it together. Like, and that was part of the thing that was making him go crazy. Like, my mom was wild. Like, she was still chilling, hanging out. There would be times where I would ask my father, like, where's my mom? And he would be, like, in her skin. And when she jump out, you jump in. That means I don't know. Mm. Like, I didn't know what that meant. I said, this nigga, he must be, like... <laughs> mother goose or something like he must be dr seuss but really now like in this age it's like he didn't know and i remember one time like he had punched a hole in the wall and he was angry like she was really like to all these things like are he's going through whatever he went through because he has a a wife who's not taking care of home he's taking like my father would cook most of the meals and my mom was like i loved being around my mother like I when I would see my mom like my whole day would be better but I remember like my mom's scent and I, and I didn't know what it was until like I got older like and I used to just love it and just like smell her it was liquor mm. it was liquor and I would just be like like every time I smelled it I felt like comfort but now that I'm older I'm like that was the scent and she would be hung over sometimes like and this is just like real so that's why I don't do the excuses. I don't run around telling people, like, oh, I went through this. I went through a lot of stuff as a child. But like I said, I've always known that I had something special. I knew it. I knew that. Yeah. So I had to tap into that. I had to pour into myself. So at a young age, did you have any, did you, were you aware that this wasn't normal? Did you have any, like, hard feelings towards your parents? Um... I think that growing up, I had more compassion for my dad. But now that, like, I, I'm older, they were going through the same thing. So I, I was very upset with my mom because, well, I would feel like she was choosing so many different things over me and my brother. But my brother and I are five years apart. So we have our own issues with the family dynamic. 
for five years before I was born, he had a two-parent home. And then I was born, <clears throat> sorry, and that's when things kind of got, like, broken. So I feel like he used to kind of, like, put his anger on me. He used to tell me he hated me. He never wanted a, si a sister. He always wanted a brother. But I kind of feel like if I was a brother, he would have still hated me. I, I, I was, like, what broke the family, I feel like. You know, like, in his mind as a child, because I came and this shit just started, because I've never seen it. Yeah. A two family like I remember being like four years, like five years old, and if I didn't want to go to school, I didn't have to. But he did because he was ten, so he had a bedtime. I did, and I watched Spencer for hire. I used to watch talk shows with. Him. That's why I'm so animated since a child. Like I just been watching these things, and I grew up in Hell's Kitchen, so I seen like a melting pot. Like I remember when Times Square was like twenty five cents for a, a peak. And I watched it transition into like Disney, and then now like what it is. I remember like when um, the ball would drop, we couldn't even go because they would be like, "No, we'll get robbed. Like it's crazy out there." Like now it's like a party. It wasn't like that for me growing up. So, and then I went to a school like I said it was progressive. So I had I would see everything I didn't have. Like these white kids had both parents. They had clean clothes, lunches. I, I would only get lunch when my mom had food stamps. So twice a month, I would get a packed lunch. Would your mother sell her food stamps? Did you know? Probably. That? Yeah. Hell yeah. Ain't no would she. She, def she definitely <laughs> Hell did. Hell yeah. She definitely did. One Christmas, she spent all the Christmas money. And my uncle felt so bad because I had like, my everybody in my family ain't broke. Like you always got that like drug dealing uncle, you know what I mean? And even my dad, he was like, he was doing what he was doing. And then it was a point where he became one of his best customers. So... He wasn't, like, broke, but then things started breaking in the family, so things started happening, then he left, so then let put everything on my mother. She definitely cashed some food stamps. Like, I don't even care about Christmas because I didn't, the kids, Christmas didn't care about me. Like, I just started celebrating Christmas because I have a child. Like, and even with her, I'm trying to instill, but it's different because her dad had a different upbringing, so he looking at me like, nah. But I'm trying to show her and teach her, that, like, it's not even only about that. Like, Christmas could be any day when you're successful, and that's, that's how I feel. Christmas could be any day, your birthday could be, you get older every day. So it's like, when you're doing the right thing and you're, you're pushing yourself to be your best self, every day could be your birthday, every day could be a holiday, and that's what I want to instill in her yeah. and give her just certain values. So let's, let's fast forward a little bit, and let's go to, let's talk about 16-year-old Lissa. What was 16-year-old Lissa like? You've been dating this guy for a year. Nah, we was dead. I, 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 yeah, no, yeah, we was dead. Okay. You was dating a guy for a year. You had that experience. Age 15 comes, comes and goes, and you're 16 now. Where's your mental at? 16. Okay, so by 15, I got into a, a, another relationship. Like, I was kind of like a serial dater. Like I said, these, these people were, were kind of like my support system. So when I broke up with him... Like, it was, a, like, a couple of months where I wasn't wearing I'm just having fun with my friends, chilling. But my house, I don't want to say that movie Kids, but that, that's kind of, like, the best example to give you for my house because my mom wasn't there. At, at 16, my, my house was the party. Like, everybody would just come through. We would all just be chilling. Like, it would just be, like, mappy. Like, we have two bedrooms, so it would just be two bedrooms of litness. The living room would be extra lit. Like, it would be us just chilling. And at 15, I was just, like... Doing whatever I had to do to survive. Like, I remember we would, like, sometimes, like, not hop cabs. We wouldn't have to hop cabs. Like, we would tell cab drivers, like, we don't have money. You, you gonna still, can you still take us? And I kind of got, like, a little gift of gab, and I would get a cab sometime. Like, we would still be good. Or um, we would have, like, a couple of, like, you know, friends or homeboys that was, like, 
they were selling. So I remember sometimes we would get like system cabs and stuff like that. So I just had like a different state of mind where we just had to do whatever we had to do. And I was still working. So at that time I was working at McDonald's. Um, yeah, 16, then I just turned, turned 17. So, yeah, like around that time I was messengering and then McDonald's. So I was always trying, like, like always hustling and working. I was even giving money to my mom mm-hmm. and even to my brother, like, at that point because I've always had, like, a hustling mentality and a different spirit. So even at 16, while I was wilding, I was still – and I wanted to be a fashion designer at 16. So I wanted to have a clothing line called YNV. I was drawing – and I still wanted to do like the hosting. Like I've always wanted to do that. And I wanted to be a rapper. But like these are things that I thought wasn't attainable. So I thought the the fashion designer was more like something I could do. So I was tapping more into that idea of being a, a fashion designer and having my own fashion line. Still dating this guy, this new guy, new person. So I started dating him at 15. So I dated this person from 15 to 20. Mm. So and this this nothing against him because like now like hindsight is twenty twenty so I mean when I look at it like I was really like stifled like I didn't really have like a childhood because when I was with him so I was fifteen and he him too he was three years older than me so he might have been a little older four years four years older four years older so and. My mom still was just, like, doing her thing. And my dad, like I said, he didn't live with us anymore. So I didn't really have to tell him what I was doing. Or And my mom's not keeping him abreast. Like, she, he barely know what she's doing. And still, like, at this point, even when I was younger, like, I would call people and look for my mom just to, like, a, like I remember calling my aunt and looking for my mom at, at six years old, like, calling, like, to look for my mom. So now at 16, like, I'm my mom's mom. Like, I'm giving her some money, making sure she okay, like, working this guy's kind of like mentally abusing me a little bit Mm -hmm. like he never like was like you ain't shit like you ain't gonna be shit but he didn't help me to flourish and anytime i really wanted to do something he would like kind of like stifle it he would keep you down yeah like i even remember when they had that contest for 106 in park i was like nah that's me like i'm the next free like who gonna tell me i'm not like i need to try out and he just like like he didn't really like i needed a little push like, I needed somebody to say, at this point, I needed somebody to be like, because he was like, nah, let's smoke some more. Like, let's chill some more. So I just didn't do it. Then making the band, I was going to try out for that. It's not like, nah. Like, and I was going to, like, and at that point, you couldn't tell me I wasn't Remy Ma. Like, that's when she was Remy Martin. Like, you couldn't tell me I wasn't. So I feel like even if I would have did those things, I probably, I probably would have got, got noticed, but didn't do those things. Then I started college. So so at that point, before you go on. At that point, like, you have all these dreams. You want to do this stuff. The ambition and the desire is in you, and you never realized that this guy was holding you back? He was holding me back, but he was taking care of me. So so I I thought that I needed him, kind of. Like, he kind of had me in a space where, like, he would even tell me, like, you don't need no friends. Like, I'm, like, you don't need no friends. Like, I'm your friend. And then when I started college, because, like, I need to accelerate the program. So I've always been very smart, but not so collegiate. So even like by 15, I'll stop going to school. So I'm mm. like, I'm done with that. But I've always been so well read. Out? Yeah, well read. But I always like was alert. My dad was an accountant. So he always like had me like good with math. So at 15, you drop out, you drop out of school. Dropped out. And you, these men are taking care of you and you have a job. Not these men, one person. The man with the dude is taking <laughs> care of you. And, but you have a job and you're also taking care of yourself and doing for them. Right. Did you know this was not normal? 
Or was it just... Yeah, at no point did I ever think any of these things were normal. I, I went to a school where I saw normal every day. Like, I saw kids with two-parent homes. I've seen parents where that were co-parenting that were better than... That were doing a better communication and having a better synergy than what was happening in my house. I never thought these things was normal. You could turn on the Cosby show prior to Pill Cosby and all of these uh, uh, controversial issues, and you could see what you would hope your family looked like. You could turn on Fresh Prince and see what you hope. It wasn't a reality TV show. It wasn't me seeing ratchetness and thinking that's norm. It was me seeing what I wish and hope for and then going to school and seeing different and just knowing. Even my cousins, like, even my cousins, what they, like, their issues, like, I had cousins, like I said, I had uncles that have money, so it's like, even if they going through their issues, their like Christmas was better than mine, their birthdays, they would have more presents than me. Like, so I always saw... So I, so what feeling did that made you feel? When you see all this other stuff around you that's not like your life, what feelings were you feeling? I'm like, a, um, I guess like Dragon Ball Z. That, that, that pushes me. So it motivated I, you to do I, better? <laughs> always. Okay, okay. So when did you move out of the house? What age were you when you moved out? I was already out when I was staying with this guy. So you had moved in with the guy yeah. at 15? Yeah. So this adult took you under his... His wing and moved you into his house. You get all my real business though. Like I don't be telling people these things. Yes. Okay. Okay. That's that's very interesting to see how you were abused. Did you did you realize looking back that you were yes. abused? Yes. This is why I go so hard for the girls yeah. to show them that this is why I go so hard for the girls. Yes, I do realize that because, like, you do not have to be a product of what you went through. Like, things are happening, and it's like. I have to do this. I have to make it to show them. Like, I do understand that that happened to me. And I do understand that it's still happening. And that everybody doesn't have that zeal or that want or that drive to, like, push themselves. So I do get it. Like, I know. Yeah, I know can, that. Can, I have a daughter. That's why I'm so, like, like a hover mother. I'm always scared of, like, what could or what could, like, possibly, like, yeah. I'm very aware. One thing about me, I'm never gonna. I'm not naive. Like I'm very aware. I don't. I don't share everything because I feel like a lot of people take their circumstance and create some kind of a crutch, or they need like a pity party. I'm not that girl. Like I'm very strong, and I'm. I pray very. Like I talk to God every day, and I, and I know that He saved my life. Cause some other girl that went through the things that I went through probably wouldn't even survive. She might even killed herself. Ooh. One, how'd you break free? And two, what are the things you went through with this guy? Because you keep saying the things you went through and the things you went through as as a, as, as far as reference to your family. And now you're saying the things you went through with this guy. Other than the mental abuse, was there more? And how'd you break free? Um, There was more. I don't really want to get too, like, crazy. I think we should take a break. <laughs> how you take it? Let's take a break. Um, So, I mean... uh. There was a lot. I mean, we were together for like six years. So six years of me not being a child. So I was like cooking meals. I was like a housewife. Like I was like, I was home. I was home cleaning, cooking, tending to a, to him. Like we would go out sometimes, but we was like, it was kind of like being married as a child. Looking back, do you think you were like a prisoner or like a slave or? Not a prisoner. Cause like I said, like I could have, I could have left, like, so it wasn't like he wasn't beating me and it wasn't like, 
It's more brainwashed. Yeah, like not even brain. Like when you scared of what what you don't know. Like when you so and you so used to feeling unloved and you don't really know what real love is and you kind of confused of. And he's telling you he love you and I mean he's he's taking care of you and he's making sure you good. You're not starving and it's like. You always together. He's telling you you don't need no friends. I'm losing my friends anyway. They not really fuck with me the same way anyway. So it's like I'm going. I'm like I'm going to you. You, you kind of start feeling like, well, if I call my friend, are they gonna feel like, well, go go be with your man? So you kind of like apprehensive to jump back into the friend pool, and then it's like. Your mom is not going to take the slack. Like, your dad is not going to take the slack. Like, I'm not an adult. Like, I still need, like, certain, like, things. And then I'm not even going to keep it alive. Like, my mom was living with, she had a man living there, and I, I didn't, like, I always felt like my mom was choosing, like, men over me, so I didn't want to live there. So it was just, like, I, I felt trapped. I guess I, guess I was kind of trapped because it's, like, I didn't know what to do. Like, what should I did? Went to a shelter or, like, I couldn't go to my grandma's house. Like, I just, yeah, I guess there was no real option. So I was like, it wasn't like, if he would have hit me, I probably would, that probably, <laughs> he would have died, he would have died. But if he would have hit me or been, like, real abusive, it was, like, more, like you said, brainwashing. Like, more mm -hmm. just making me feel like I needed this and I needed to be there and I didn't need nobody else. He was holding me down. Like, and then when I started, like, I'm getting older, like, when your spirit is dead, but it's like, it's, my spirit was, was like, nah, we not, we, it was still flickering. Like, my spirit was like, we're not dying. Like, there was still always something in me that was like, nah, you can't just do this. Like, this is, you cannot just have a regular life. Like, my, I've always known that. And then I just started feeling like he was, like, holding me back. So I started telling him, like, cause we, and we was arguing a lot. Like, we was going through, like, a lot of stuff. So we was arguing a lot, and I just didn't want to be there no more. And I just remember, like, one day, like, he had left to go with his friends, and I just, like, packed a small bag and dipped. And the crazy thing was he'd only lived, like, like two blocks from my mother mm. the that's, whole time. That's crazy. Well, you, you weren't seeing your mother during this time at all. I you? would, but, like, hit or miss. Like, I remember it was a blackout. Remember they had a blackout? Yeah. I was there. I was at him. I didn't even come outside to go check on my mom. I wow. stayed in this. But it wasn't, like, because I didn't want to. He was like, nah, we should just stay here. Like, he didn't, like... It wasn't like, like oh, not F my mom, but it was like, nah, we should just stay here. Like, we shouldn't even go outside type so, of vibe. So it's a lot of girls living in this situation right now. Exactly. To this day. That's why I'm saying, and that's why that's why I am the way that I am, because it's like, I have to, I have to, somebody got to speak out and say, listen, like, I'm, I'm, I am every woman, like, and it's not just me, like, quoting, like, Whitney Houston, like, it's dead serious, like, there's women that's out here that's, like, going through real stuff, and they feel like they can't be their best selves because they are in certain situations, and it's like, whether you're 16, 26, 36, whatever your age is, it's like, you gotta break out of that, so I, I, I snuck out when he, when he wasn't there, and I was just, like, the last time I saw him, like I, I passed him one day, but he always told me if I if I ever left that he would never talk to me. So I never talked to him after that. Even when I saw him, he walked past me like he didn't know me. Mm, that's crazy. So you're free now, and fast forward some years. What was it that made you decide after all this hard life, I am going to follow my dreams and make this happen? What was the spark that made that work? Um, I guess my daughter. Um. Cause, yeah, I guess I would have to say my daughter. But like, there's always been like little inklings of just me. Like, I would host people's baby showers, 
or host like people's birthday parties. So I will always still be doing hosting, but like without calling it hosting. Like people just like, oh, can you just grab the mic? Or can you like do the games for my birthday party? And then I started being like person that was doing that. And then I started working at H&M. That's why I met my daughter's father. So I started working at H&M. I'm gonna give you to help you. So um, started working at H&M. And then I ended up getting pregnant with my daughter. So I was with her dad for a year. Then we decided, we were like two love struck, silly 20 something years, just decided that we were gonna have a child. So we planned her, planned Brielle, mm -hmm. planned Brielle. And then I took a year off from like working and everything. And then I was raising Brielle. And then I went to a fashion show. First I was doing merchandising, because I was always, like I said, styling was my, my thing. So I was doing merchandising, freelance merchandising. And I went to a fashion show for my friend, and the host was so dry that I just asked her, like, yo, who put this whole event together? And I went to the person that put it together, and I was like, listen, like, you need to let me host the next one, because this was amazing. Like, the event was dope, but the, the, the host was made me sad. And if it wasn't for my cousin being in it, I probably would have left. And then he was like, well, do you have experience? And I was like, no. And then it kind of, like, spiraled out of that. So that's when I decided that I was, it was time for me to, like, really, like, hone in on being a, a host. What was your first like 2009? hosting gig? Um, it was a gig at a spot called Tea and Things of That Sort in Harlem. It was a fashion show slash a showcase, and it was cool. Like, it was, like, intimate. And then after that, uh, he just had me, like, rolling after that. Like, and, and what was so, so great about him, I just ran into him the other day, he was paying me early. He was throwing me like a hundred dollars every hosting gig, like eighty dollars was the the least he gave me. So it was like he already gave me like a worth early on because he saw it, and then we were just like taking it from there. And then I started host. I went to host something with him at a spot in Vault called um, a spot in Harlem called Vault. There was a clothing store, and they had something called Lazy Sundays where they would do like like events. So I hosted one and I'm looking around at the store and I was like, I went to the manager and I was like, well, aside from, I killed it. And she's like, oh my God, you're so great. And I was like, well, aside from that, I can merchandise. So like, why don't you let me come in here and just like fix these mannequins? Like I said, I'm always hustling, yeah. trying to figure out other, another way to get some more money. <laughs> so I'm like, you should just let me like do the mannequins. She's like, I was thinking about having a merchandiser come in here. I was like, perfect. So she's like, come in on Wednesday. So I came in on Wednesday. You would have thought it was a reality TV show because it was another stylist there too, talking about he's a merchandiser. Like she had like a competition type of vibe. I bodied it. And he got sent home. So he gets sent home. So I started doing merchandising there. Rock Nation had a brand called, well, they had Rockaware, but then they also had a subdivision called Artful Dodger. So they had an event that. there for Lazy Sundays as well. So when they came in, me being the merchandiser, I was like, well, if y'all going to be flipping my store, I need to help y'all with that. Like, y'all going to be moving my mannequins. Y'all, like, let me work with y'all so that way I could put it right back easily. After doing that, he was like, oh, my God, Jesse, shout out to Jesse. Jesse was like, I love your energy. Why don't you come to the office, blah, blah. So I go to the office the next day. I started going to the office every day. So now I'm not even hosting like that anymore. But then I started ha having a radio show on PNC Radio. But And then it was more like the styling that got me into the hosting. Yeah. So, can, so I see that all throughout your life, even from an early age, hustle has been a major part of your progression and your process can you talk about the importance of not only hustling but asking for the next opportunity okay 
hustling, of course, is important because it's just like a closed mouth doesn't get fed. And that's real deal. Like even me as Miss Lissa knows, if I don't speak up, like somebody going to try to not pay me. So it's like you have to hustle. Following up with people is really great. Like you can't be the type of person to ask immediately. So you have to hustle but know how to hustle. Like offering a service before asking for a service is always best. And what was the second part you asked? I'm sorry. Just the importance of hustling and, you know, asking for the next opportunity. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, you you don't always want to ask for the next opportunity. You kind of want to, like, pitch it. And then let them like you want to like throw out the the fishing hook and hope that you catch the the fish. You you don't want to be out there swimming trying to just like grab crazy. So you want to be wanted and invited, and you want people to want to work with you by showing your work ethic. That's why I'm really big on not just being over sexualized because I am beautiful. Okay, I can easily just come out here and va va voom the hell out of everybody and just get the job. But it's like I like you said been abused so i don't want to abuse and i I don't want to show that that is okay like if that's your thing do it but i want to be the one to show the girls that you can be your true self whatever that is if that's being the va va voom shout out to my girl heather hunter i love you but she also said there's a business in a certain way to do it so that's what it is follow up hustle hard but know what you're doing and you network right. You said Heather Hunter. How old are you? You 80? No, I'm just playing. I'm just Heather playing. Hunter was on the show. That's my homie. I like Heather Hunter. I Shout love her. That's a legend. Um, okay. So so things are progressing in your career. You're you're on PNC radio. You're interviewing people. Where did the turn come? Because now you're a big wig. I consider you a big wig. I love you're wigs. the future uh, uh uh of the industry. When did the turn happen in your career? Um, I always give everything to PNC. Shout out to Combat Jack. Rest in peace. I love you. Like, PNC was, like, the, like, epicenter. Like, everything started there. Like, PNC was uh, internet radio before Sirius Satellite. Like, shout out to DTF, but they was before DTF. They was before all these people that's doing it. But they didn't do it right, clearly, because they're gone. But in the time that they were there, they groomed some major talent and had some dope people in the building. And I was, like, able to watch people and observe, like, combat from the beginning, and I learned so much. And I was around a lot of people, and, like like you said, the hustle, it really matters. I met Dayton Thomas six years ago at PNC. I just kept following up with that man, showing him more things that I was doing, my projects, never showed him my titties, never showed him my ass, only showed him my work, only showed him my hustle, and he he caught it. And I started doing interviews with um, with Billboard. So, and that was also because, um, shout out to Jason Rodriguez, another person that I met at PNC. When he was at Revolt, like, I'm the queen of the follow-up. Like, I'm on my phone every day trying to figure out who can I text or email and pitch or follow. Like, remember when I said that? Like, let's get to this meeting. Like, I'm the queen of that. So, I hit Jason. I'm like, Jason, like, like what's good? Like, pull me on Revolt. So, we had a meeting, and he was like, you know what? Like, I showed him my reel, and he was like, you need to add more notable, like, publications to your reel why don't you start working on vibe and doing stuff like that and i was like yeah i've been talking to Dayton, but you already know like you got to build your your relationships and he was like i'm gonna cc you on an email so his co-sign helped so everything i want to say the turn happened at pnc because i met all these people and then i kept just kept grooming it and keep kept pushing the turn 
Yeah. You have to push those turns. You have to know that when you're planting a seed, when you see a little sprout, like you got to know that you got to keep pouring and keep keep nurturing and keep watering because it's going to sprout. You can't like get discouraged and walk away from that plot. Miss Lissa was on uh, my show, Socially Decoded. Ow. Uh, what, I'm curious because hearing your story, I'm very, very fascinated by your story. What part of your career in life was it when you uh, came onto my show? Um, what was I doing then? Okay, so at that point, I was I was doing interviews. So shout out to Dove. Dove is like one of the noted PR people in this industry. So she would always call me for like press runs, and I was doing like work with her and Jack Thriller at that time, and I was grooming my my gossip game so I was doing like a lot of gossip blogging I was getting like noticed for uh, for that type of stuff for like spilling the tea and breaking stories like I was doing like a lot of content that a lot of these bigger blogs are doing now because they swiped it from the queen it's cool though and you, see you and you came up to my office to be on a dating show yeah and I saw no you. I didn't though yeah I know and I <laughs> saw you and I was like there's no way I'm sending this girl on a date with anyone She's absolutely insane, but she's perfect for my show, Socially Decoded, which was a show where we took the hot button topics from Twitter right. and talked about them. And I, you were kind of a regular. Your schedule, I think, sort of prohibited it because you got maybe had a job at the Hell time. Hell no. You didn't like me at first. I like, loved you at first. No, I thought I you like, were a fucking I, every crazy Every time I would person. see him, I'd be like, Zilla, how come I'm not on the next episode? You, I could do another one. He'd be like, I'm mixing it up. I'm keeping it spicy. Mad Hollywood talk. But, um, yeah, nah, I went, I auditioned for that dating show, but I wanted Socially Decoded. Like, I was like, I put that into the universe. Like, I was like, nah, I'm going in for this dating show, and I'm walking out with social, I didn't want to go on the date. Like, if you would have sent me on a date, I was still pressing for Socially Decoded. I didn't even say that to him. I was just like, but that was what I was gearing for. Like, I didn't want that date. I'm still not, like, no, I don't want to just go on no public date. You done got the most information out of me. Like, I'm like, I'm like oh, my God. He's a, he's so great. We Y'all got to make sure y'all check out this podcast, though, because look what he just did. He done, just like I did to Nia Lee, he made me cry. Yeah. You made me cry, Zilla. I, um, my podcast is only 20 to 30 minutes, so this is way longer than my podcast. But I'm so proud of you. And y- your slogan, God is my publicist, I've watched you from the moment I met you. And you weren't as big as you are now. Right. But now you're, you're a big deal. You're a big deal in Am the I? industry. You were on Wendy freaking Williams like 75 times. And she told them to stop using me. She did? <laughs> she said that she didn't like using the same She going to take my people. job. Um, but no, you're on Wendy Williams and you're big and God's my publicist. Why do you, how'd you come up with that slogan? Why is God your publicist and not someone like Dove? <laughs> um, Dove costs too much. Um, <clears throat> of course, so people always asking, like, oh, you know, who's your publicist? Like, everything's happening. Who's your publicist? And it's just like, God. And then it just, like, stuck. And also, it's funny that you said with Wendy, I was at first using the hashtag Wendy Raised Me. Wendy raised me, Wendy raised me, Wendy raised me. But then I just had, like, a, an epiphany where I just felt like, no, no shade to Wendy, because uh, that's mother. Like, I grew up on Wendy. Like, I love Wendy. I love Ricky Lake. I love Jenny Jones. I love Montel Williams. Those like, I love Star. The, those- like, I love Miss Jones. I love Angela Yee, Charlamagne. Like, all these people groomed me. Yeah. No, th- yeah, absolutely. Those are the ones who groomed and raised everyone in their late 20s or 30s who live in New York City. With the exception of um, 
Well, the Breakfast Club have been on what five years now. Mm-hmm. The Breakfast Club are raising the kids that are now, the new but ones. like the adults, uh, Jenny Jones, Ricky Lake, uh, Star, Miss Jones, and uh, Wendy Williams definitely raised every New York woman in her late twenties to thirties. And the men too. And the men too. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, like I so, felt like Charlamagne was my cousin. Because yeah, Charlamagne was on that show too. Yeah, that was that's how he got his break. Yeah. So like I watched Charlamagne's growth. So even with me interviewing him, but yeah. So I was using the hashtag Wendy raised me. But then I was like, you know what? Like I feel like my journey and everything that I do, like and especially when when um Sandra. Um, Sandra Bland got murdered. I just felt like I was like feeding the wrong part of the system. Like the gossip, I love it and I get it, but it was different when I was coming up. But like we understood that it was for like entertainment purposes. Now this new generation, they're taking it for face value. And I'm like, damn, there's real things going on in this real life. And here I am promoting Kim Kardashian new ass or Amber Rose titties or Black China fought it. And it's like, yo, it's real things happening. So that's when I started pulling away from the gossip and doing that. And that's and then I started feeling like when it comes to my girls, I have so much more to give. And I don't want to put myself in this gossip box. So I stopped using the hashtag Wendy Raised Me and started switching it to God as my publicist. Because mm. I was like, because I started feeling like, damn, if I, because I was getting attention for the, doing the gossip. Like I was the first person that broke the story when Bobby Schmurder got arrested like my friend told me like somebody like somebody in a reason told me like I had the drop and like I was just doing these things that were getting noticed and I was like damn if I stop doing that like what's gonna happen to like the the, the the brand that I'm trying to grow and what I'm trying to do and then I was like nah but God is my publicist you can't stop me and that's when I started proclaiming and professing and announcing that no door gonna close because I work for the landlord mm. so I and I and I'm not I'm I'm not like I share. God can have multiple clients concurrently. Like he could be your publicist, your publicist. When you are living in your greatness and doing what you were put on this earth to do, you are unstoppable. And that's what God is my publicist means. Ladies and gentlemen, she said no doors are going to close because I know the landlord. That is profound. So let's switch the gears. Uh, on my on my podcast, Free Game, mm-hmm. I like to know how everyone is making their money. So um, is the money coming in for you when it comes to the journalist thing? And the money that you are getting, do you have a rate card? Are you, you know, are, do you have your own set rate that you're negotiating? How do you deal with getting money and for your hosting gigs? Because I look on your page, you have a lot of hosting gigs lined up. How are you negotiating to pay for these? I have an hourly rate um, that I like to start at. Like, I mean, of, of course you want to aim high, but I have a threshold that I don't want to pass. Um, also, I just added um, selling my God is my publicist, hats and shirts. I also have Miss Listen No stuff. And then sunglasses that I'm always wearing and the any eyewear that I'm always wearing because people will always stop me and be like, oh, my God, I love your glasses. I'm like, I need to sell these. So I started selling those, and I'm having pop-up shops. I just did one last week. I'm having one this week. You can catch me at Denny Moe's um, Superstar Barbershop. I'll give you the – just follow me on Instagram. I, gotta, I, don't, I don't know the address offhand, but it is on Frederick Douglass. Don't worry about that. But, um, yeah, so I'm doing the hosting gigs. Also, I'm at a point where if it doesn't feed my, my spirit, like – 
because people are reaching out to me to be their publicist. They see me doing certain things. They see me as events, and they want me. They're sending me their songs. Like, can you help me? Like, can you move me? Like, what's your budget? Can you be my publicist? So it's like I send them the the outline, and the outline is what I really want. Because it's like if I stop doing what I'm doing for me, because right now I'm my biggest client. I've decided that in 2018 especially, I was like, for no more will I deviate unless it's really worth it. I'd rather work for free for Miss Lister than work for pennies for somebody else. Ain't that right. So it's like I'm not starving. I can actually miss a meal. Like I, I can afford to miss a meal if I needed to. But I'm not. God has really been providing. Like there's times where I've been praying on the floor, crying, trying to figure out that bill, and then the check comes in. So it's like I haven't been wanting. My daughter's not starving. She's doing well. I do have a, an hourly rate. I do take on clients and work with people and help them. I like to connect dots for other people. I do have a rate for that as well. I'm at a point where I'm protecting my intellectual property. So you can't just get me on the phone no more. You cannot just get me on the phone no more. I'm not answering texts with your with your with the link to your YouTube no more. All I might send, I might, and that might, I might send a fire emoji. Mm. But I'm not giving you no 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 intel, no ideas. I'm not I'm not none of those things. So that's just where I am right now. So it's it's it's, it's bringing in money. And also, I mean, if you would like to have. Um, advertisement space on the Miss Listen Knows podcast. We also do that. We do sponsorships. You can get um, something set up with you where you can get one slot or two, one week or three. Just hit me up at MissListenKnows at gmail.com. We'll set you up with that. So, yeah. Do you, ha- do you, do you have a five-year plan? Yeah, of course. <clears throat> can you tell us a little bit about where you want to be in five years? In five years, I should have my talk show. In five years, I should have my talk show. So, even if that means me already like having to produce it myself and it being on a different platform like a YouTube or I already have this um my podcast but I want to grow it we're working on getting the visuals and hiding heightening that up and I'm 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 going to be working on more like auditions I want to tap into acting one of my biggest things and it's something that my pastor has been preaching is leaning into your fears and something I need to conquer is stand up so I should be doing that 5 years I should be smoking with that and um Hopefully, I should have like another child by then too, or two, because I want okay. two more kids. Two more kids. kids I want two more kids, with or without the ring. I don't, I don't like to do long interviews. I think this has been very, very informative. I think people have learned a lot more about you. Yeah, I'm I have to cut some stuff. <laughs> Please don't cut anything. I think people have learned a lot more about you. I think you sharing your story is really going to help some of your listeners who relate to you and don't know why they relate to you. Right. You have a gift that is that is beautiful. And I was telling my friend that Lissa, and I tell you this all the time, uh, Lissa is loud and she can come off a little bit obnoxious, but she is the sweetest person and she's so dedicated and, and, and she knows where she wants to go and she will do the job and get it done and the connection that you have with your audience is so phenomenal. Thank you. And I am I am in awe of it. And and, and I appreciate it. And Thank I sit you. back and I watch and like this girl is doing the damn thing. Thank you. So to those girls who you connect with who may have had a rough life and and have dreams or and may have friends or sometimes even family. Family keeps you down and holds you back as yes, well. Yes, they do. What do you say to them? And 
Can you give them any advice to help them take the first step to break free from that person that's keeping them back or that thing that's stopping them from being all that they can be? Look yourself in the mirror. Like, you have to look. Look, like, I've been doing that since I was a teenager. I remember there was a time where I was, like, smoking cigarettes. And when I looked at myself in the mirror doing it, I was like, get the fuck out of here. Like, I'm wowing. So step one is look yourself in the mirror. If when you look yourself in the mirror, the first thing you do is smile, you're probably in the right path. You're probably doing the right thing. You're probably, like, tapping into it. But if you look and you feel, like, somber sadness, you feel empty, you feel dead, you feel like something is missing, then that that's step one, acknowledging that. Step two, I suggest, is talking to God. If, if it, it may be Allah, it may be Jehovah, it may be Buddha, it may be blunt. Whatever it is that takes you to a place where you're not paying attention to this universe because this universe will get you trapped. Like, it's so many energies and so many people and you never know who has what intention for you, but you always know your intention for yourself. So you need to disconnect from this world so that you can connect with yourself. And once you start doing that, nothing else matters because you have tunnel vision. Tunnel vision has to be activated. It's not something that you're born with. When you're a baby, when you're born, you're looking at everything. The first thing you do when you're born is you're looking around. You're not staying locked on anything. So you have to get your mind to a place where you are focused and you understand that the distractions can't be distractions. You are your biggest distraction. You need to be your biggest cheerleader. You can be your biggest hindrance. You need to be your biggest petitioner for your greatness. Like You have to know that when somebody tells you no, that's that's only one step before the yes. Like everybody that tells me no, I'm like I'm going to get a I'm going to get that yes. If I have to get the yes from his wife, I'm going to get the yes. Sometimes you have to go around. Sometimes these men are telling you no because we don't understand protocol. You go on to the man, you you all up in the wrong person's face. Like if you see a couple, the woman runs the relationship. Have some respect, have some dignity and never lose yourself. Just never lose yourself and just be happy with what you're doing. Be in, ta- in, in touch with your your true self. Thank you know-it-alls for listening to this podcast. <laughs> this is your boy Zilla Valentine and <clears throat> I like to sign off by just giving a shout out to the person that I was speaking with. And Miss Lissa Knows is a phenomenal person, as I said before. And her story just shows you that if your heart is pure, then you can get, if your heart is pure, then you can break down a bunch of walls. You can overcome a bunch of obstacles that are in your path. And to me, she has always put God first. And I know that sometimes life gets hard, but the Bible quote says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death. It doesn't say you stay in the valley of the shadow of death. It says you walk through it. And if you're listening to this and you're going through hell, just know that you will get through it. This too shall pass. In order to get through it, you got to go through it. So know that God is your publicist. And when God is on your side, he is the landlord. No door can close on you. Know that. Pay those bills. Put that that uh, that prayer forward and if you like this podcast <laughs> please tell five friends about this podcast tell five friends there's a guy out there named zilla valentine who has a podcast called free game and there's a woman out there named miss listen knows who has a dope podcast and that you need to listen to it because it'll propel you to the next level in your life and i just want to thank miss lissa for giving me the opportunity to talk to her her people and Ow. 
and I just want to thank her That's for sharing That's right. Her you story killed it. I'm going to leave all of this. I was going to edit it. I'm going through it in my brain, but I'm going to leave it. And thank you, Zilla. Like, you done. Now nah, I feel like I need a therapist. So, <laughs> <laughs> do you take Medicaid? <laughs> know it alls. Until next time, brush your teeth, brush your edges, and brush that dirt off your shoulders. Ow.